may be seated. Some of you were, many of you were at Sunday school where I spoke a little bit about uh, what, we, what we're doing in Italy. My name is Joel. My wife's name is Jessica. We have five children. Our oldest has joined the Air Force. Um, the other four are with us. If you want to meet them, uh, they're out there in the congregation. You can meet them afterwards. Um, I want to thank you very much for the support. Um, you, your church has supported us from the very beginning of our ministry. In fact, it's the, it was, this church was our very first supporting church. So I thank you for that. I also thank you because every time we come, you treat us very well. Uh, we've made a lot of friendships with some of you. Uh, it's always a pleasure to come back. For us, Little Rock is Covenant Presbyterian Church. So in our family, we say Little Rock, we mean Covenant Presbyterian Church. So thank you very much for that. Our text today is Ephesians 1. We'll be looking at verses 1 to 14. This passage is very rich. Uh, Pastor Reed was telling me earlier that he preached three sermons from this text. Uh, recently, probably a year ago, I also preached several sermons from this text. So we will not cover everything that there is in this text. We'll be looking mainly at the theme in Jesus. So I want you to notice as we read the passage... Uh, notice in particular how many times the text says in him, in Christ, uh, uh, or something similar. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory." Let's pray. Oh God, we do ask that you would open our hearts and our minds that we might hear your word, that we might believe it, that we might grasp hold of it and cling to it. We ask that you do these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, let me ask you a question. When you meet a new person, what's the first question that you ask them? Often, one of the first questions you ask of someone is, what do you do? And if someone comes up to you and asks you, you know, who are you? 
often we will respond to that question telling that person what it is that we do. For some of you, uh, you might be in the military. Some of you might say, well, I'm a doctor, I'm a nurse, or I'm in IT, or I'm a full-time mom and I have three kids, etc. But really, who are you? What's the most important thing that there is about you? I'm a, counsel- I'm a pastor, and I do counseling, and oftentimes when someone comes in for counseling, that thing that is the most important thing about them in their mind is some tragedy in their life. Maybe, maybe they had a bad relationship with their parents. Or maybe it's some sin that, is, get, that has gotten a hold of them that they, that they can't seem to conquer. In uh, one situation, I had a, a woman who came to me, which I, know, I went to her actually because she stopped taking communion. And after a few weeks, she wasn't taking communion. I went to visit her and I asked her, you know, I noticed you haven't been taking communion. And she said, well, I smoke and I've tried to quit. And I did quit for a while, but then I started back up again. And so I thought that I shouldn't take communion. Now I told her that she should take communion But that's not the point. The point is that that smoking for her defined who she was. Well, who are you? And what defines you? Well, if you are a Christian, the one thing that is more true of you than anything else is that you are in Christ. You are united to Christ. As we look at this passage, the passage tells us that being in Christ gives you a new identity. Being in Christ also gives you salvation blessing. Being in Christ gives you a future, and being in Christ gives you a new life. In this passage in Ephesians, we see over and over again that that Paul, when he was writing this, says to us, in Christ, in him, in the beloved, right? Everything about our salvation has to do with our being in Christ, our being united to Christ, In Christ is just shorthand to say, to speak about our being united to Jesus Christ. And it's an idea that governs the whole passage. Not only does it govern this passage, but it's an idea that is prominent in the New Testament. And so it's an important idea for us to understand. Today we'll look at this theme of being in Jesus. We are in Christ. And because we are in Christ, we have a new identity. Our identity comes from our being in Christ. Now, brothers and sisters, if your faith and trust are in Jesus, you are in him, and that makes you a new person. It gives you a new identity. It's the one thing more than anything else that determines who you are. Now, I started the sermon saying, you know, what do you, how do you respond or what do you ask when you first meet a person? And many of us will either ask or will respond talking about our jobs. But let me ask you a question. In eternity, how many of you will, have the same jo- will do the same thing you do now? I don't think there are going to be pastors in heaven. I don't think there are going to be policemen in heaven. I don't think there are going to be doctors in heaven. I don't know for sure, but I don't think there are going to be IT people in heaven. I mean, pastors and policemen will be in heaven, but they won't be pastors and policemen anymore, right? 
but in heaven, all of you will still be in Christ. You will be united to Christ. In fact, you will be in heaven precisely because you are in Christ. By the way, I'm saying in heaven, and I, what I mean is the new heavens and the new earth. I just want to be specific because sometimes we say, in, we say when someone dies, they go to heaven, which is not, if they're a believer, that's not incorrect, right? But, that's, but we're still waiting for something else. We're waiting for the new heavens and the new earth. And I just want to be, um, just want to be specific there. In Jesus, the text says, you have become holy and blameless. Some, some of you maybe think of your life in terms of a particular tragedy that has happened or in terms of specific sin. But you know in heaven that tragedy will be taken away, won't it? And all your griefs will become joy, won't they? And every tear will be wiped away. And your sin you will struggle with it no more. What's the one thing that defines you as a Christian? It is that you are in Jesus Christ, and in him you have a new identity. You are united to him, and that means that everything that you have is his. All your sin, all your grief, all your tragedy, it all belongs to him. He took your sin upon himself, and everything that he has is yours. His righteousness, his sinlessness. He, you have a new identity in Christ. You are a new person in Christ. I know a boy who's actually now a young man, and he was born in Ethiopia. And I don't know what happened to him. Even, even Akile doesn't know what happened to him. But somehow he ended up on the streets. His parents think that Possibly he was involved in some kind of explosion because he has a scar on his face and one of his eyes, is, he's been blinded in one eye. But no one knows for sure. But at some point he was on the street and someone saw him on the street and they picked him up and they took him to an orphanage. And this orphanage is governed by two elderly nuns who don't really have the time and energy to, to do much to take care of the children there. It's actually quite a wild place they give the children something to eat, but basically the children govern themselves, which means that the older children kind of, you know, govern the younger children. It's not a great place to live. Um, but one thing that these nuns do is they provide an opportunity for other families to adopt these children. And uh, some people that Jessica and I know adopted this young man, Akile. And they went down to Ethiopia and they signed the papers and they had to wait for a while to do all the things that needed to be done in order to bring him back to Italy. But once they signed those papers, Akile was a new person. He wasn't Akile the orphan any longer. He had a new identity. And even in those two weeks where he waited in the orphanage, he was a new person. He may not have felt new. He may still have gotten up in the morning and done the same things that he had always done. But he was now Achille de Chirico, the Italian who was part of a family. He was united to that Italian family and that changed his identity. If you believe in Jesus, you are united to Jesus and that has changed your identity. You are a new person. 
In Christ, you also have the blessings of salvation. Our text says that in Jesus, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You see, Jesus is our covenantal head. Right? He has acted on our behalf. And whatever Jesus won, he did not win just for himself, but he won it for himself and for his people. We could say that Jesus is our champion. In the, in the ancient world, they, they actually feared battle. If you, if you got wounded in the ancient world, it's easy to get wounded in battle, right? If you got wounded, you would probably die because they didn't have modern medicine, right? And so they feared battle. And so sometimes what they would do is they would propose, in fact, there's an example of this in Scripture, isn't there? They would propose that one champion fight on behalf of his people. And the, the example would be David and Goliath. And who, whoever won would win for his whole nation. And whoever lost would, lost would lose for his whole nation. And what we see in Scripture is that Jesus is our covenant head. And what he won, he won for his people, and he won for his people every spiritual blessing. In Christ, you have all the blessings of salvation. Every aspect of your salvation comes to you because you are united to him. We talk about the various aspects of salvation, don't we? Here, it speaks about our being redeemed. It speaks about our having an inheritance. It speaks about our being predestined. It speaks about... um, that we have forgiveness for our sin, we, we have salvation. All of these things come to us because of our being united to Christ. We are in him and all the rest flows from that. He is our champion who won the blessings of salvation for his people. We have those blessings because we are united to Jesus. Now in the Middle Ages, some English barons rebelled against the English king, who at the time was Henry III. And Henry III was not a terrible king, but he also wasn't a great king. And one of the things that Henry was not good at is keeping in line all of his barons. He wasn't a, he wasn't a great, uh, he didn't have that presence, evidently, to kind of have all of his barons uh, rally with him and behind him. And so some of the barons rebelled against him. And uh, for a time, there was civil war in England, his son, Edward I, was different than his father. Edward actually was, uh, uh, Edward was a very good soldier and was able to rally people behind himself. And he was fighting on behalf of his father. And one time he met one of these rebelling uh, barons in the middle of a clearing in the woods. And the two men decided that what they would do is they, that Edward I would fight against the baron, and it would be a trial of champions, and whoever won would win for his, for his army. And it was a long battle, and it was grueling, and they went back and forth, and eventually Edward I prevailed. He won. And when he won, he won for all of his soldiers, and they all received, he and his men received the spoils of victory. Well, in the gospel, we have a champion. And that champion is Jesus Christ. He is our covenant head. And the blessings of salvation that he won, he won on behalf of his people. For you. For me. Because you are in Jesus. The blessings of salvation 
are yours. Being in Jesus also means that you have a future. You have a future of blessing with him. Our text says that you who have believed in Jesus are also sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God lives in you. It's actually the Spirit who unites you to Christ. He's the seal that guarantees that you have an inheritance. So you have a future. There's a song by the Talking Heads. It's called Road to Nowhere. And it's a song that has a, has a catchy tune. I like classic rock. And it's a catchy tune. And it says that the song says we're on a road to nowhere. But actually, being on the road to nowhere, it's not a good thing, is it? Have you ever been on the road to nowhere? We were coming home from France uh, one summer, uh, visiting Jessica's family. And uh, the, the main road goes through Switzerland, and there's this long tunnel that you go through. And there was a lot of traffic that day, and I don't know, I don't know, I, you know, I don't know anything about these tunnels. I think that it was too hot in the tunnel or something, but they were only letting you know, one or two cars through the tunnel at a time. So it was backed up, and I had no desire to sit there on the road and just wait for a few hours until they finally let you know, a few more cars through the tunnel and we could get through. And so I decided I'd take the mountain pass that goes up the mountains. You know, it's a narrow road, these old mountain passes, and I would just take that. And I saw some Swiss cars who were pulling off, and I said, surely they're doing the same thing. So I followed them. And it was a great choice. We were on this small, narrow road that went up through the mountains, and the view was spectacular. And then all of a sudden, my car stalled, and I couldn't get it started again. And I was on this narrow road, and on this side is the mountain that goes up, and on this side is the mountain that goes down. There's no spot to pull over. So I'm just stuck there in the middle of the road, and the car started backing up along behind me, and I was on the road to nowhere. And it was very uncomfortable, and I wasn't sure what to do. Finally, my car started back up again, and I kept on going and made it back to Italy. But the point is that being on the road to nowhere is not a good place to be. The good news of the gospel is this, that in Christ you are on the road to somewhere. You have a future in Christ, and that future is the new heavens and the new earth. Because God is actually bringing you along the same route that Jesus took. You go through this life. It, yes, it is a life that is full of pain and sorrow. That's not the only thing about this life. But that is part of this life, isn't it? But he is bringing you through this life in order to bring you th through that to glory. In Christ, you have a future. You have an inheritance with him. Being in Christ gives you a new life. Being in Christ gives you a new life. We saw earlier that all the blessings of salvation come to us in Christ. And brothers and sisters, I want you to understand something. This includes, or this has a huge impact on your life as a Christian. In your life as a Christian, your living the Christian life depends on your being in Christ. And let me explain. We've already said it, right? In Jesus, you become a new person. You have a new identity. The Christian life depends on who you are. Because you are in Christ, you are a new person, and so you are to live as a new person. It is true, and so you are to live as if it is true. 
one of the great struggles for us as Christians is that there are things that we know to be true, but we struggle to live as if they are true. We fail, often we fail in our Christian life because we do not believe what we say we believe. Or we don't believe it fully. We don't believe it in that moment. I'm sure that anyone who is involved in counseling, including Pastor Reed, can tell you that most of the things that you have to deal with as a counselor is reminding people of things that they already know are true. Jesus calls us to live as new people because we already are new people. Now most religion teach, most people tell you that religion teaches you to be a better person. And actually that is the way most religions are, isn't it? Sadly, even Christians sometimes will speak that way. But Christianity is different because Christianity says that you are a new person and therefore, since you are already a new person, you are to live as a new person. The gospel says that God changes you. In Christ, he gives you a new life and you are to live in light of that. When Achille first came to Italy, in many ways he still lived as he did before. He had trouble eating without wolfing down his food, for example. One day, he and his father were at the store. They were going to pick up some groceries. And as they were leaving the store, he looked at his father and said, Dad, do you want some hazelnuts? And his dad said, No, you know, we've left the store already, and I've already made my purchase, and I'm not really interested in buying hazelnuts tonight, but, you know, if you want some hazelnuts, we'll get some next time. And he reached into his pocket and said, No, Dad, I have some hazelnuts right here. He stole them. You see, Akile had lived on the streets before he went to the orphanage. And how did he survive? He survived by stealing food. And so he got to Italy, and he's in the grocery store, and he saw all this food sitting there. What did he do? He filled up his pockets. But he didn't have to fill up his pockets anymore. He was a new person. And so he needed to live differently. He needed to live in light of that. You too are a child of God. You are no longer an orphan. You are an adopted son or daughter of God, and you are to live in light of that. You do not do good works in order to become a child of God. That has been done for you by Jesus. You are a new person. You are a child of God, and so you are to live in light of that. And let me add something else. In a congregation of this size, there are probably some of you who take your salvation for granted. And you say to yourself, I'm saved by the work of Jesus. It's not my work, so I can live how I want. That's not, the way, that's not what Scripture says, is it? How ridiculous it would be if Akile were still, as a 19-year-old young man, still stealing hazelnuts from the store. It's ridiculous for us if we do not take our Christian life seriously because we are indeed new people, adopted sons and daughters of the King. If that's your temptation, 
I encourage you to turn from your wickedness to Christ. Repent of your sin because in Christ you have been made a new person. So live to the glory of God. Now, brothers and sisters, know this. You who have put your faith and trust in Jesus are united to him. In Jesus, you have a new identity. You are a new person. In Jesus, you have all the blessings of salvation. In Jesus, you have a future. And in Jesus, you have a new life, a life of holiness. What a wonderful thing it is to be in Jesus.